the exclusive stories behind music that helped shape and change pop culture. With award-winning broadcaster and best-selling author Jesse Dillon and co-host, award-winning music and media producer Spencer Proffer, you are inside the music. This is Jesse Dillon. You are coast-to-coast and worldwide dialed into Inside the Music. You can visit the website and see the visuals as well as the audio at InsideTheMusic.us on Spotify, Apple, Rogers, Stingray. Everywhere there's a podcast you can listen to this. Our next guest with myself and my co-host Spencer Proper is a real renaissance man. Jerry Offsing, former executive vice president of ABC Productions, president of RKO Pictures, and president of programming at Showtime. Jerry, I want to welcome you back to Inside the Music. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Spencer. It's nice to be here. Spencer, you two have worked together for a long period of time. Why is it that you and I both agree that Mr. Avsey is a true Renaissance man? Well, he's better looking than we are. Other than, <laughs> other than that, Jerry, I found to be in the years that I worked for him as his off-campus music consigliere when he was at Showtime and prior to that ABC, was he actually had balls. He had vision. He really cared about the content. It wasn't just, let's greenlight a movie and make money. Let's actually say something. And I found that the journey and how I helped decorate the pictures with music really spoke to where Jerry's heart was, which was really saying something in the movies that he developed and that he put out to the world. And I thought he was really way ahead of the game, and this was in the 90s when we worked together. Jerry, I want to go back. I want to go back to your days at um, RKO, and I want to talk about a very a signature movie at the time, 1987, Hamburger Hill. Would you mind sharing with our listeners today that story? Uh, sure, it'd be my pleasure. But uh, even in what you just said, 1987 uh, simplifies things because the our making of Hamburger Hill started in uh, 1985. It was. It was the summer of 87 by the time the public saw it. but And I can be precise about that because I started at RKO in April of 85, and I flew to New York beginning of May of 85, and I read the script for Hamburger Hill on the plane going to New York. And just by coincidence, uh, there happened to be a major event taking place in New York the next day. It was a parade to honor the vets, the 10-year anniversary of the end of the war. So let's call it the first week of May of 1985. And uh, my partner at RKO, the guy who hired me, Mark Silas, said, come on, we're going down uh, to the bridge uh, down in the south end of Manhattan. Uh, and I said, what's going on? And he said, the soldiers are going to be coming over the bridge. And so uh, we took a cab down there. We got there. There was a giant, giant crowd. The newspapers the next day said there were a million people there. And they were all there to do something that they hadn't done in 1975 when the war ended, which was welcome the soldiers home. Uh, the, the paper the next day said that it was the largest march through the Canyon of Heroes that they'd ever had in New York. There were 25,000 marchers. That's 25,000 vets. And uh, when they came across the bridge uh, and the cheering of the throngs of people, uh, it told Mark and I something that, you know, I'd read the script. I was moved by the story. 
Um, but what it told us was that America was ready to welcome these vets back. It was ready for a movie that would tell the story honestly of these veterans. And so we embarked on the odyssey to get this picture made. And uh, two years later, I guess a year and a half later, December of 86, we saw the rough cut of the movie. Um, it had some music in it that was beyond what our budget was for the film. Uh, the first thing that you see when you watch Hamburger Hill, and it still moves me uh, to tears this day, is a helicopter coming into Vietnam, and playing in that scene is uh, the animals, we've got to get out of this place. And before you've even met these guys, this platoon of guys who you're going to spend a lot of time with going up this Hamburger Hill, um, you know that the main thing in the forefront of their mind, the main thing in the forefront of your mind, is these guys have got to get out of this place. And when it came time to put the picture together, um, the issue came up of could we afford that um, piece of music and the answer was, having seen it that way, and I've had this experience one or two more times, and we'll talk about that later, um, we couldn't afford to not have that piece of music in there. It set the tone for the entire movie. Uh, it is the heartbeat of the film. And that film is bookended. Um, Phil Glass wrote the score for um, Hamburger Hill. It's a very stirring, disturbing uh, moving piece of music that goes on all through the climatic battle as we go up the hill with these guys, watch them literally crawl on their bellies to try and take, make it to the top. Uh, and so we start with we got to get out of this place, and we end with the dissonant chords of Phil Glass's score. Uh, and uh, even though it's a story about a bunch of guys uh, in a platoon, and we spend lots and lots of time getting to know them, uh, the movie would be a shadow of itself if it wasn't for the music that started it and the music that ended it. Jerry, I want to talk a little bit about the music. I've seen some, I mean, we've all seen some incredibly placed music in, in, in war movies. You know, I, I, I can't even count the amount of times I've heard Fortunate Son by Creedence Clearwater in war movies. I think it's obligatory to almost have in every war movie. But what, what strikes me and now my sons, and we've been watching Hamburger Hill over and over again since I knew we were going to have you on. I saw it back in 87 for the first time. But I don't think I've ever seen a song ever so well-placed in a movie as that opening scene with the animals. How did you score that hit for that time? Yeah, well, we had a, a music consultant involved at the at the time in the picture, and John Irvin, the director, had a musical vision for it. And, you know, one of the main things about having a job like mine, and Hamburger Hill's the first movie I ever greenlit. I've done it, I've been fortunate enough to do it 300-plus times since then. But Hamburger Hill's the, the, the first in line. Um, and a large part of the job is to hire really talented people, let them do what it is that they do best, and then get out of their way. And uh, and I was a 31-year-old kid just out of a law firm who had been given a tremendous gift to be in charge of this old-line studio RKO that was venturing back into the movie business. And uh, all the people around me had a lot more experience in making films than I did. And you know, I had a 
I had a point of view and a vision for the kind of story that I wanted to tell. Um, but then I relied on the people who really expert at their craft. And so that soundtrack came together and that piece of music came together um, because of the talent and, and judgment and uh, goodwill of others. And, and then you had to rely on the fact I'd spent years being the soundtrack expert uh, as a young lawyer. And I had, you know, I was a music lawyer first and then a movie lawyer and those combined skills uh, enabled me to be the, the go-to person for a few years in L.A. to put soundtracks together, you're always relying on the goodwill of the publishers and the record companies. They have to buy into your vision. They have to share your vision. And Spencer was able to accomplish a lot of that later on in the Showtime days. Um, but, you know, there's a certain amount of money that you can afford to spend. It's usually not as much as the publishers and the record companies want. And somewhere in the middle as a place where the record companies and the publishers catch your enthusiasm for the piece and they're willing to bend, bend a little because they want to be part of this project. They think that it's worthwhile. And so we were able to find that middle ground with uh, the animals and their publishers and, and they help make Hamburger Hill what it is. Well, let's go back to 1987. The acclaimed Vietnam War film about a brutal 10-day battle that took place in the spring of 1969, and that song, by the way, The Animals, which we're going to play in half a second here, kind of became a battle cry for servicemen and servicewomen in that war. we got to get out of this place. You are deep inside the music today with Spencer Proper, Jesse Dillon, and our very special guest, Jerry Offset. And here's The Animals. In this sturdy old part of the city where the sun refused to shine People tell me there ain't no use in trying Now my girl, you're so young and pretty And one thing I know is true You'll be dead before your time is due I know